This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. The Orachayim HaKadosh, Rabbi Chaim Ben Atar, is one of the great rabbis of his time, even still till today and was one of the peers of the Hedegabal Shem Tov. The Or Chaim passed away in Jerusalem and is buried on Harazatim in 1743, and you can still go to his grave today. When the Or Chaim HaKadosh was still in Morocco, he had an attendant whose name was Moshe, and Moshe had been helping the Or Chaim with his daily needs for many years, and as a result, he merited to ask the Holy Rabbi all kinds of questions about the Torah and about life. And the two of them became very close. And over the years, Moshe became a true scholar in the merit of learning with the Holy Rabbi, the Orachim. And eventually, Moshe got married and had a son. And he felt like his soul really belonged in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel. And he went to the Holy Rabbi and he said to the Orachim, I've merited to be with you for many years. But my wife and I have decided we're going to move to Jerusalem, to the holy city. And the Orachim was very pleased with his student's decision, but he knew he was going to miss him, and he wanted to spend a few more days together. And so he asked Moshe before he sets out on his trip to come and spend another week with the Orachim. Now Moshe loved the Orachim, he appreciated him, he was like a father to him, and so he happily agreed. And during that last week when Moshe was with the Orachim in Morocco, the Orachim revealed to him secrets of the Torah and words of wisdom which he had never heard before. And he felt like maybe even the Orachim had never revealed these secrets before. And it made the bond very close between the two of them. So the day before Moshe and his family left, he came to the Orachim to get a bracha. And the Orachim says, hang on a second, I'll give you a bracha of course, but I need you to do a favor for me. And he takes a piece of paper and writes a note on it folds it up, and gives it to Moshe. He said, Moshe, you're going to successfully get to Jerusalem, even though the journey is hard. And when you get there, I want you to please take this note and go to the Kotel and place it deep inside one of the crevices there in the holy stones. And so Moshe kissed the rabbi's hand, thanked him for his friendship and his mentorship and for being such an amazing teacher. And he promised him that, of course, this note will be put into the Kotel. And just like the Orachim said, the journey was not easy. You know, these days we get on an airplane and fly to Eretz But back then you had to travel by donkey or by camel and take boats. And it was risky and it took a long time and it was physically hard and it cost a lot of money. But after many months, finally Moshe and his wife and their son had reached the bottom of the mountain, coming up to the holy city of Jerusalem. And when they finally arrived, Moshe turned to his wife and he said, Even though I thought that when we would get to Jerusalem, all I would want to do was learn Torah. But I've decided that a higher level is to do what it says in Tehillim, in Psalms. Yegia kapecha ki tochel ashrecha betovlach. The effort of your work with your hands will bring you food and you will be blessed in all that you do. And he said, I'll find time to learn, but I'm going to work for a living. 
And so he took the little bit of money that he had left and he bought an old horse and wagon. (laughs) And he would move merchandise from different places in Jerusalem, helping the businessmen and sometimes carrying people's things. And eventually he established a group of regular customers. And with his old horse and his old wagon, he was able to make just enough to get by. Every day, when he would make enough to finish paying for whatever he needed for that day, he would go to one of the Batei Midrash, the houses of study, the Sephardi Jews in Jerusalem, and spend the rest of the day sitting and learning Torah. And when he showed up in this particular Beit Midrash, and of course the old city, because that's all there was, was the old city back then, he sat in the back and nobody ever paid any attention to him. Every now and then, somebody would come over and ask him where he was from, but Moshe didn't really give an answer. He just said, you know, Hashem decided that I should be here, and that's where I'm from. So they left him alone, and every day, he'd finish working, come to the Beit Midrash, take out a Sefer, a holy book, and sit and learn for a few hours. And in this way, he was able to support his family. In the meantime, his wife had another several kids, and several years had passed, and one day, the old horse simply couldn't handle the load and had a heart attack <laughs> and dropped dead right there in the street. And Moshe is looking at the horse, and of course, he was very close to the animal, but it was also his whole livelihood. It was his parnasa, and he didn't have enough money to buy another horse, and the wagon couldn't be pulled without the horse, and he didn't know how he was going to support his family. Moshe felt his heart sink. Would he need to become a beggar now? After he had made a decision to work, he looked up the heavens and he said to Hashem, Hashem, here I am in the holy city of Jerusalem. I have a family to support. I did exactly what David the Melech, King David, said in Psalms, that the bracha, the blessing, will come through the work of your hands. So Hashem, why did my horse die? And then he started thinking, maybe he committed some sin and he was being punished from above. And so for the next several days, he locked himself in his house and studied and davened all day, fasting most of the day, not wearing shoes, afflicting himself in all kinds of ways, hoping that he would get a sign from heaven as to what he did. But day after day passed, and he couldn't figure it out. And then one day, he's going through the pockets of one of his old coats, and he notices there's a piece of paper folded in one of the inner pockets that was closed with a button. And he unbuttons the pocket and takes the folded piece of paper out from deep in the pocket and his whole body starts to shake. It was the note that the Or Chaim, his teacher and mentor, had entrusted with him to put between the stones of the Kotel, the western wall. And here he had been there for years and he completely forgot about it. He didn't know what to do. How could he have done that to his teacher who gave him so much? He was convinced that this was the reason that the horse died. He told his wife, and she said, Stop everything right now. Take the note and go to the Kotel. Put it between the stones, exactly like the rabbi told you. So he jumped up and ran as fast as he could to the Kotel. There, he finds a place deep between the stones pushes as far in as he can to the crack. He stands back at a distance and makes sure that nobody can even see the note that's so deep in. And then he sits down and he starts reciting psalms for about an hour. And he's feeling a bit of a relief. You know, finally, he got that note in the hotel. He says, okay, I don't have any money. I don't have any way of making a living. I'll go to the Beit Midrash and I'll learn. You know, Reb Shlomo Karabach says, quoting Rabbi Nachman, 
When you have problems, don't run away from Hashem. Run to Hashem. And so Moshe ran to Hashem by going and learning in the Beit Midrash. And as soon as he stepped foot into the house of study, all of the people there turned and stared at Moshe. And some of the regular people there even got up from their seats and ran over to him and Shalom Aleichem shook his hand. They asked him his name and what he's doing in Jerusalem. And he said, what do you mean? I've been sitting here for years in the back of the Beit Midrash and learning. You know who I am. I'm Moshe. But nobody had remembered him. It was as if they'd never seen him before. And now, all of a sudden, nobody could stay in their seats. Everybody wanted to come and say hi to Moshe and shake his hand. And so he said to them, you know, I know all of you. I know all your names. I've been here for years. What's different today than yesterday? And they said, first of all, we've never seen you before. And second, clearly you're a great tzaddik. I said, I'm a great tzaddik. How do you know I'm a great tzaddik? They said, because there's a light shining out of you. And everyone looks at the person next to him and says, right, you see the light? They all say, yeah, of course. Who can miss it? Turns out at that time, the chief Sephardic rabbi of Jerusalem was sitting in the Beit Midrash and learning. And he came over to Moshe and he said, Shalom Aleichem, I've never seen you before. Did you just arrive in Jerusalem? He said, no, I've been here for years. I've been sitting and learning in this Beit Midrash for years. And the chief rabbi said, I've never seen you before. He said, tell me, you have a light shining out of you. What's this light from? What's going on here? And Moshe was so shocked about what's going on, he didn't even know how to respond. But the chief rabbi wouldn't leave him. He said, please, you've got to tell me, what's this special light coming out of you? And then he realized it must have been the note from the Or Chaim that he put in the Kotel. And so he told the chief rabbi, you know, I used to be one of the attendants of the Or Chaim HaKadosh. The chief rabbi's eyes lit up. He said, you knew the Or Chaim? You met the Or Chaim? He said, not only did I meet him, I was one of his close students. The chief rabbi said, do you have anything written by the Or Chaim? I would love to see his handwriting. And Moshe said, you know, when I was in Morocco, the Or Chaim wrote a note for me. And for years, I forgot to put it in the Kotel. But just an hour or so ago, I just put it in the Kotel. And that has the handwriting of the Or Chaim HaKadosh. But it's his own private letter. I don't see how you could look at his letter. And the chief rabbi said, please, I need to see the handwriting of the Or Chaim HaKadosh. Please, I have to see it. And Moshe said, no. I respect the privacy of the rabbi, and I don't think it has anything to do with you, and I don't feel comfortable showing you the note. The chief rabbi insisted, and he said, Please, I promise you, whatever is there will remain with my eyes. I won't let you read it or anyone else read it, and I'll put it right back. I just have to see the handwriting of such a great rabbi as the Or Chaim. Please! And so Moshe said, fine, I'll bring you to the Kotel. And the two of them go down to the Kotel together. And the rabbi says, Do you remember where you put it? says, yeah, of course, it wasn't so long ago. He goes between these two big stones, and he reaches his hand in as deep as it can go, and with the tips of his finger, pulls out just the edge of the note and gives it to the rabbi. He says, Rabbi, I respect the privacy of the Or Chaim HaKadosh. You look at it, and we put it back. You see, a few days ago, my horse died, and I lost my parnasa, and I'm pretty sure it's because I didn't deliver the note from the Or Chaim to the Kotel. But now that I've delivered it, obviously there's some special light coming out of me as a result of it. And so the rabbi gently opens up the note and he reads what's on it. And he says to Moshe, please help me, I have to sit down. And he sits down and Moshe says, what's going on? The rabbi looks like he's turned white. He says to the rabbi, do you need something to drink? Are you okay? 
The rabbi says, Moshe, come, sit down next to me. You need to see what's written on this note. So the rabbi hands the note to Moshe, and he reads it. And the note says, Dear Chief Rabbi, sitting next to you is my close and beloved student, Moshe. And his horse just died, and he lost his livelihood, and he's going to need some help. But he only wants to work for a living. He doesn't want to receive handouts. I'm vouching for him as a great Torah scholar, and I'm asking you, please, to give him a position on the Beit Din, on the rabbinical court in Jerusalem. The chief rabbi looks at Moshe and he says, Moshe, what do you think? And Moshe is so shocked by what happened, he can't even answer. The rabbi says, let's go, let's get up. And they get up and Moshe says, where are we going? He said, I'm making you a judge on the Beit Din here in Jerusalem. Look at the holy vision of the great rabbi, the Or Chaim HaKadosh, who could see years ahead and knew that I would find this note and I would be in the position to give you your livelihood exactly as the Or Chaim wanted it to be all those years ago. I've got one more short story for you. At the third meal on Shabbos, when the Holy Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak Itzik Zidichever, would give his drasha, his sermon, everyone was completely silent. No one would dare to move. You could barely even hear people breathing. It was absolute silence. Everyone felt the awe of Hashem when the Rebbe was speaking as they listened to every word he had to say. And one time, the Holy Rebbe was speaking and he put into the hearts of his listeners such an inspiration and desire to do tshuva, to come back to Hashem, that the next day, no one wanted to leave Zidichev. Everyone forgot about their business affairs and only thought about doing tshuva. And nobody was leaving as they normally did. And the Rebbe asked his sons why nobody had come to him to get a bracha, a blessing before they left, as was the custom. And the son said that the day before, the Rebbe's words had caused such a distaste for wanting to be in this world and dealing with business and animals and whatever was needed to take care of in this material world that everyone was too ashamed to come before the Rebbe and talk about their business or personal needs. And the Rebbe got very angry from this and he told his sons that he heard that something similar had once happened to the ribbon over Rebbe. Reb Mendel and the Riminover gave his Hasidim serious rebuke. He said that Shabbos is special, but the six days of the week are different. And so everybody who has business to take care of should go home and deal with it in truth and with complete faith in Hashem. And when Shabbos comes, you're in Shabbos. And when it's the weekday, you take care of your business needs. So Reb Itzik concluded by saying to his Hasidim, Hashemayim, Shemayim la Hashem, Vaaretz Natan Levne Adam. The heavens are for Hashem, but the earth was given to humans. And after saying that, the Hasidim slowly folded up their talesim, their talitot, their prayer shawls, and came before the Rebbe to get his blessing before heading home. And everyone returned to his home and his business to do their work in truth and with faith in Hashem. We see that's the level that we have to reach, my sweetest friends, where the days of the week are elevated by Shabbos, and they're also holy, even though they're mundane, even though they're yamei chol. We still have to elevate the days of the week by having complete faith in Hashem, serving Hashem with joy, 
And even though we can never reach the level of Shabbos during the week, we want to bring as much Shabbos into the week as we possibly can, and as much Shabbos into Shabbos as we possibly can. Have a good Shabbos, my sweetest friends. Thank you for listening, as always. I want to thank all the listeners of the podcast. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to share this with your friends. Leave a review wherever you listen. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook. That's the easiest way. Just send me a message. I see them all. My name is Barack Holman, B-A-R-A-K-H-U-L-L-M-A-N. I'd love to hear from you.